talk about uh, today's the parasha. I will want to just say, next week we'll have, there'll be a shear on the Haggadah. Uh, next week there'll be, should I say it again? Next week there will be a shear on the Haggadah, which will save us from trying to figure out Tanzria and Mitzorah. <laughs> Not that you can figure out the Haggadah so easily, it's just that, you know, it seems more reasonable a priori. Okay, what I wanted to talk about or look look at today is the Yemei Hamiluim. Yemei Hamiluim. You know that there were seven days and then an eighth day. In other words, let me start over again. I'm sorry. Uh, the parashiyot of Truma and Tetzaveh and a little bit of Kitisa and then Vayakel of Pekudeh are about building the Mishkan, about making the Mishkan, the physical Mishkan, about build, making the clothing of the Kohanim, making the menorah, making the Mizbeach HaKtoret. All of that is part of those four and a bit parashiyot, right? However, building the Mishkan apparently was not enough. There had to be a process of inaugurating the Mishkan, of making the Mishkan into the Mishkan, right? A, a process, and that process took part on the seven days before Rosh Chodesh Nisan, right? Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai on Yom Kippur, the tenth day of Tishrei, and they immediately started building the Mishkan. The building of the, of the items of the Mishkan was finished a week before Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And then seven days, the seven days before Rosh Chodesh Nisan are called <coughs> Miluim, the days of Miluim. And the eighth day was the day when it really started. It really started. So what we're interested in finding out is what are these days of Miluim? And in fact, you could ask, well, what does it mean that the Yemei Miluim? What Hebrew word is hidden in that, in that statement? So if you look at the first source, the first source on the sheet comes from Parshat Titzaveh. Right, so remember we say Trumat Titzaveh is the first rendition of the things that you have to build in order to have a Mishkan. Vayakel Pekudeh, the second rendition of the things you have to make in order to have a mishkan. But this has nothing to do with making the pieces into a mishkan. That was done on the Yemei Miluim. That was done on the Yemei Miluim, okay? Now we're not gonna go through everything that we know about Yemei Miluim, but we're gonna do a few of the, a few of the things. So the Pasuk says, the first Ptitzaveh, so, so during these seven days, during these seven days, if I could summarize a little bit, Moshe Rabbeinu was in charge. One of the things that Moshe Rabbeinu was in charge of was making Aharon into the Kohen Gadol. Who is the Kohen Gadol during the seven days? Moshe Rabbeinu. He's the Kohen Gadol. He's going to pass on the job to Aaron. 
right? And that's sort of hidden in this pasuk. It says, "Kichol asher tziviti otacha shivat yamim timalei adam." Timalei adam, plural, right? That's Aaron Ubanav. Aaron and his sons—they're all being inaugurated into the job of the Kohen. How did they get inaugurated? Well, they get dressed up with the big day kahuna, and they do the things that Kohanim do, but under the direction of Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Under the direction of Moshe Rabbeinu. Rashi says, Vasiti kacha. Rashi. No, I mean this, Yemei Miluim, I'm sorry. Shivat Yamim Timalei Et Yado. Right? Binyan Hazeh, the fourth line in the Rashi. That you should fill their hands. Fill their hands is another way of saying, make them into your representatives. Give them the power. Give them that authority. Right? Everybody recognizes, uh, if you've ever been to a coronation of a king, you English people know about that, you can at least watch it in the movies. The well, what happens? Like at some point, everybody thinks a king has to become a king. Like just because you're born doesn't make you a king, right? Otherwise, Charles would long be a king in his own mind in any event. But you've got to king him. You've got to make him into a king. You've got to go through a process. So the same thing was true about, uh, about uh, Aaron HaKohen. About Aaron HaKohen. Ben Pasuk uh, Lamedvav says, Upar chatat leyom al hakipurim v'chatata al hamizbeach v'kapercha alav v'mashachta oto l'kadoshos. You have these words that are very hard to understand for us. We don't sort of like sympathize with them. Par, the word par, that's a, a big animal. Right? A big animal. Uh, like an ox. Not that I know that much about oxen. Chatat. Chatat means the one that is designated to be a korban chatat. Chatat. What is a korban chatat? Korban chatat is a sin offering. A sin offering is generally brought because you've done a specific sin. In this case, in this case, that's not the, this is just what you have to bring. It's not because there was, I mean, I could try to find a sin in Aaron's uh, uh, life. It wouldn't be so difficult because he helped in the Egel Azahav. But for some reason, we see these psukim as relating to a general situation. And when every time there'll be a Chanukata Mizbech, we're going to do this again. So it says, Parachatata Sehayom Ala Kippurim. Vichatata al hamizbeach, right? Al hakipurim. Kipurim is a word that means atonement. Chatat, sin offering. Kipurim, atonement. Vichatata al hamizbeach. Vichatata al hamizbeach. Whatever that means. I'm sorry, chiteta. Al hamizbeach means to clean it up, to purify it. Vikapercha alav. Vikapercha alav. Kapara is again atonement. You atone the mizbeach. And you anoint it in order to sanctify it. 
So that somehow there's a korban and there's anointment. Those two things together make the mizbeach into, into a mizbeach. Look at the Rashi. Ala kipurim. Ala kipurim. You see Pasuk Lamed Vav in the Rashi? Bishvil ha In order that there should be atonement. Lechaper al ha-mizbeach mikol zarut v'ti'uf in order to atone the altar, the Mizbeach, right, the altar, Mikol, Zarut, anything foreign, anything that came into contact with the Mizbeach that should not have, Vitiuf, Tiuf is something hated, ugly, take away the ugliness, you don't have the slightest idea what Rashi is talking about. further along it says, Shivat Yamim, Timaleyadam, Seven days to Adam. To Adam means give them this authority. Let them do this. The Kohanim. Eli Ela Bishvilam. We are only talking about things that we do for them, because of them. Kigon Ha'elim the rams and the bread that is brought as a sacrifice. But that which is brought because of the Mizbeach. Which are uh, uh, the 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 uh, anointing and the power and the korban, which is all here in the pasuk, because of the of the mizbeach. Kegon par shehu lechitui hamizbeach, right? The par, the ox, which comes lechitui hamizbeach. It ought to purify the mizbeach. Lo shamanu. We didn't know. We don't know anything about that. That's why this pasuk is so important. I mean, if, if anybody thinks that, that, that the Rashi is clear at this point, see me after class. <laughs> means zach, purify. Vechiteta means to purify. Okay, the last pasuk. Pasuk Labet Zayin, Shivat Yamim Techaper Al HaMizbeach. This is the critical Pasuk for us. The Torah says seven days. What do we call those seven days? Yemei Milu'im. On those seven days, Techaper Al HaMizbeach. What did this Mizbeach do? That it needs so much atonement. The Mizbeach needs atonement. V'kidash Da'oto. Kidash Da'oto. What would you say that means? How can you translate the Kiddashta? Sanctified it. What? You sanctified it. Yeah, the trouble is that you, if you translate one word that I don't understand by another word that I don't understand, it's not perfectly clear that you've done the job. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. In, I don't, in some way made holy. What? In some way made holy. Well, you designated it for a particular function. In other words, what makes this Mizbeach into the Mizbeach, ultimately? Designation. Somebody has to come along. Again, Shivat Yamim Techaper Ala Mizbeach. God speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu and says to him, seven days you do this. What do you do for seven days? Techaper Ala Mizbeach. You have to atone the or atonement from the Mizbeach, for the Mizbeach, and then you will have designated it as the Mizbeach that you're going to use in the Mishkan. 
והיה מזבח קודש קודשים. היה מזבח קודשים. Holy of holies, meaning that it could only be used at specific times for specific purposes as directed by God. That's what Kodesh Kodeshim means. Kol ha-nogeya ba-mizbeach yikdash. Right? Kol ha-nogeya mikdash. Now look at the Rashi. Rashi in Pasuk Lamed Zayin. Vaya ha-mizbeach Kodesh. Right, the Mizbeach becomes the category of Kodesh. Ayav Mizbeach Kodesh, Umahi Kiddushato. In what way? Kol Hanogeya Ba Mizbeach Hikdash. That's the end of the Pasuk. In other words, what's the implication of being Kodesh? It means you can't misuse it. You can't use it for some other purpose. You can't put your hands on it when it's not the proper time to put your hands on the Mizbeach. So Rashi says, That's the Pasuk. That's what the Pasuk says. Yikdash. Even if the sacrifice that you put on the Mizbeach is Pasul, like it has a, a nega, right? some sort of a a blemish, a physical uh, uh, blemish. Kitsho amizbeach lachshiro shelo yered. So kitsho hamizbeach, the mizbeach turns it into a holy item, this korban, lachshiro, and makes it kosher shelo yered. So even though you can't do it lachatchila a priori, but if you've done it already, it's okay. It's okay. Some kind of a drasha. The drasha is a way, I mean, Chachamim knew the halacha, and they stick it into the pasuk. They say what this means is because it means either a kosher sacrifice or a less kosher sacrifice. Shomea Nira, she says, sorry, Shomea needs the drasha. Bein ra'ui, bein she'ino ra'ui, kigon, davar shelo haya pisulo bakodesh. Right, that's something that, that you can't generally use as a korban. Kigon harovea v'anirba humukze v'nevad these are all categories of animals that cannot be used as a korban, like a trefa. Trefa means you've uh, diagnosed the animal uh, is going to die within 12 months. You know that the animal has a sickness, it's going to die. You can't bring that, that animal as a korban. Right? So you have a whole list of things that you can't bring the animal as a korban. Talmud Lomar v'zeh asher ta'aseh. Ha-samuch ha-charav, right? That's what comes in the following basuk. Ma'ola re'uya, ha-pol re'uy. Somehow there's a drasha that says you can bring everything that you want. Shener elo kvar v'nifsal mishabal le'azara. It was possible once, but it became pasul when they brought the animal into the Beit HaMikdash to give it as a korban, something happened. 
כגון הלן והיוצא והטמא ושנשחט במחשבת חוץ לזמנו וחוץ ממקומו כיוצא בהם So you know that there is this business called פיגור that you have to think the right, the Kohen who sacrifices to think the right thoughts in order to... Uh, so what is... let's look at the Pasuk again. Shivat Yamim Tichaper Al HaMizbeach Tichaper Al HaMizbeach Right, that's seven days. The seven days you have to, you have to inaugurate the Mizbeach in order for it to become worthy of being a Mizbeach. Vikidashta oto, vaya a Mizbeach Kodesh Kodashim. So you have this, there's a kind of a problem that the, that the Chumash is teaching us about. And that is that the people who built the Beit HaMikdash, the people who built the Beit HaMikdash, there was Moshe Rabbeinu, B'Tzalel, Oliav, Kol Chacham Leib, all the people who had skills, and the women who had skills and aided in making, aided in making the tapestry and the clothing for the Kohen Gadol, all of that together does not produce a Beit HaMikdash. It's not like you make the Lego pieces and then you put it together, because after all, you could put it together, and then you have a mikdash. That's not the way the Torah sees it. The Torah sees, well, you have to make the pieces, and making the pieces anybody can do, really. Of course, you have to have skill. You have to be skilled, but skilled, a skilled artisan does not produce kedusha. Does not produce kedusha. Does not produce the separateness necessary in order to be a Mishkan. It has to be something other. Other? Rudolf Otto. Other. It's got to be di- not just different, but it's got to be, have a uniqueness to it. It's got to be something that is not easily uh, uh, done over again. It's something that has a special quality. And that special quality came during the Yemei HaMilu'im. And the Yemei HaMilu'im are described here in the parasha of Titzaveh as referring primarily, right, primarily to the Mizbeach. The Mizbeach was a place. You were creating, you didn't just build an, uh, an altar and a ramp to go up on the, on the, on the top of the altar, but you built a place where the sacrifice would be accepted. Now, how do you do that? That's the problem of the psukya. How do you make it into a special place that doesn't exist anyplace else and that has this unique quality that it uh, connects itself to HaKadosh Baruch How do you build that? How do you build that? So obviously you need agreement from heaven. You've got to have a heavenly... Default. It's got to all come from heaven. Now, how do you get it to all come from heaven? Well, you have to have, you, that's what the Torah says, you have to have Yemei Miluim. You have to have Yemei Miluim. So in, in passing on the mantle of Kohen from Moshe Rabbeinu to Aaron Cohen and his sons, they go through a process of sanctifying the objects of making the pieces into a mishkan. That's what happens. If you look at the second, uh, the second source, 
comes from uh, the parish of Pekudei, right? The last parish, we were just the first source that we read was from the parish of Titzaveh. The second source comes from Pekudei. And it says again about the Kohen, right? That right? He did the act of burning the incense in a in a thing, what do we call a censer? Kasher Tziva Hashemet Moshe, as he was co- commanded, as he was commanded to do, right? Vayichas, uh, again, that was Pasuk Kav Zayin. Pasuk Lamedalet says, says this, this is the end of Pekudei, right? Remember, we're at the end of the book of Shemot, we've built the Mishkan, after building the Mishkan, it says, mm-hmm. This, the Ramban would say, is exactly like Har Sinai. It's exactly like Har Sinai, that there was a, a place, right? And then this amazing Pasuk, Pasuk Lamed Hei, Velo Yechol Moshe Lavol Ol Moed, you have this kind of anti-Rabban Pasuk. It's definitely, you remember that at Har Sinai, Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai and walked into the cloud. He walked into the cloud. The cloud did not stop him from anything. What stopped the people from going up on the mountain was an arbitrary line that was drawn by Moshe Rabbeinu, right? And it, the, the Pesach says, anybody crosses that line, he's liable to the death penalty. And therefore what happened at Har Sinai was that Moshe Rabbeinu went up into the cloud and the people stayed below, at, below the mountain. And now, in the, according to the Ramban, we're rebuilding the experience of Har Sinai through the Mishkan, right? That's what the Mishkan is. It's that experience redone. But look at the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Pasuk Lavadal, Hashem Mishkan. That's Pasuk Lavadal, describing this. Here's the Mishkan. They built the Mishkan. Here's the Oral Moed. Inside the Oath Moed, you have the Kalim and you have the Mizbeach and you have the Menorah. It's all there, the Shulchan, the Mizbeach, Menorah, Shulchan. And you have a Kohen all dressed up in, the, in his priestly garb, right? And then the Pasuk says, that the cloud was covering the Oath Moed. The Oath Moed is like Har Sinai. And quote Hashem, whatever that might mean. I mean, I don't know exactly what that means, but it's something that you know. If you confront God, you know you're confronting God somehow. Right? You don't have to explain what it is. Whoever was there knew what it was. And then Pasuk Laman Hay says this unreasonable statement, Lo yechol Moshe levod ol moed. What do you mean? Why couldn't Moshe have had to go to ol moed? So the Pasuk explains, Ki shachan alav anan. Right? Well, exactly the opposite. That's not the way it was at Har Sinai. 
at Har Sinai, Shachan Olava Anan, Moshe Rabbeinu went right into the Anan to confront HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Here, all of a sudden, Moshe Rabbeinu can't go into the Anan. Maybe, maybe because during the Yemei Miluim, Moshe Rabbeinu was not the Kohen. He was, he was the Kohen passing on his Kuhuna to, to Aaron. He wasn't in other words, there's Moshe Rabbeinu of Har Sinai, and there's Moshe Rabbeinu of Ha'ol Mo'ed. It's a different Moshe Rabbeinu. Ki shachan alav ha'anan, u'kvod Hashem malei et ha'mishkan. Kvod Hashem malei et ha'mishkan. Rashi. Rashi, see the Rashi? Lo yachol Moshe lavon ol mo'ed. V'katub echad omer. There's another pasuk, which is on the sheet also. You can look at it. U'bevo Moshe ol mo'ed. Right, turn, if you turn the sheet over, the last source, last source, is a pasuk in the beginning of the book of Bamidbar. You see Perik Zion, pasuk peitet, Obevo Moshe ol Moed l'daber ito, Moshe Rabbeinu comes to Oel Moed to speak with HaKodesh Baruch Hu. Vayishma et hakol, Midaber Elav. Midaber is like Hitpael. It was like he was talking to himself. He heard the voice. Do you remember? Kaporet is the covering of the Aaron Kodesh. Aaron Kodesh, you could get, you could only get in and out of the Aaron Kodesh from the top. And you had to take the top off or put the top back. At the top, was, uh, was especially uh, ornate, and it had a name. The top of the Aron had a name, right? So the Aron, when you say Aron, you mean the four sides and the bottom. But the Aron, the top of the Aron, the cover of the Aron is called Kaporet. That's what it's called. And on the Aron, or at least Bayatri Shon, we assume, was like the, like the Mishkan, you had the two Kruvim, right, was stuck on, on the Aron. In the Beit HaMikdash that Shlomo HaMelech built, it seems that the Kruvim was stuck into the ground in front of the Aron Kodesh for some reason. Why this is, is not clear. But that's what it says in the Book of Malachim. It says that the, the Kruvim, the Kruvim were not on top of the Aron, but they were in, stuck into the ground. So here, in this Pasuk, in this Pasuk it says, Ubevo Moshe ol Moed. Ubevo Moshe ol Moed. What do you mean, Bevo Moshe? When he was called. Moshe Ben was called to ol Moed. Ubevo Moshe ol Moed. He came to ol Moed with the Daber. He told to speak to the Kodesh Bochum. Now we don't know. The Hebrew is not, doesn't tell us where was Moshe Rabbeinu standing when he was came to Ohel Moed? Because came to Ohel Moed, he could be outside, he could be in the door, he could be at the parochet. Parochet. What does the parochet separate? Kodesh. The kodesh kodeshim from the kodesh, right? What was in the kodesh kodeshim? The the aron and other stuff. A few supplements in the Aron and somewhere on shelves next to Aron, but there, that was that was where it was. It was all in uh, in there. <coughs> so we don't know where Moshe Rabbeinu was. Where was he standing? But it says 
וישמע את הכל מדבר אליו מעל הכפורת. But he heard the voice coming מעל הכפורת, from the top of the Aron, like in between the Kruvim, in between the two Kruvim. So where was, uh, where was Moshe Rabbein standing when he heard this voice? Possibly at the entrance. The entrance of the old Moed? Yeah, it could be. Um, from Parsha Kitasam. That? From Vayakavo Moshe Ha'ohela, Yerid Amud Hanan, Vamad Petach Oel. Now, well, that could be Moshe. Yeah, but that, but that may not be this Pasuk. This may be talking about something else. As Rashi will explain in a minute, Vayishma the Kobe Daberi, Lav, Beala Kapor, the Charla Ron Haidut, may bain Shnei Hakruvim. So this voice spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu, but we still don't know where Moshe Rabbeinu was standing. I mean, maybe it's not important to know, but we don't know from the Pasuk where Moshe Rabbeinu was standing. So Rashi says, look at this Rashi. The Rashi in Bamidbar. Rashi says, There are two Pasukim contradict, they contradict each other. One Pasuk says, this is a rule of, uh, of learning that sometimes you have two psukim that contradict each other and there's a third pasuk which sort of settles the argument. Now why the Torah should do it this way remains unclear but it's, it happens that the Chachamim, Rashi copying them, thought that this was a good idea, that this was reasonable. It says, the beginning of Vayikra, Vayidaber Shabbat Elav, May Ohel Moed, Vehu Chutz LaParochet. So what does it mean to say that that God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu from Ohel Moed, meaning that wherever God spoke from, Moshe Rabbeinu was not there. He was like, God spoke from X to Moshe Rabbeinu, who was not in X. So what is X according to this? The, oh, I'm sorry, what is, where is Moshe Rabbeinu? Chutz la parochet. Again, the parochet separates the Kodesh Kodeshim from the Kodesh. The voice came from the Kodesh Kodeshim. To Moshe Rabbeinu, where was Moshe Rabbeinu? He was on the other side of the curtain of the parochet, the other side of the parochet. Vikatu vechadomer. Vikatu vechadomer, another pasuk, right? Dibarti itcha me'al hakaporet. Dibarti itcha me'al hakaporet. Which seems to mean that Moshe Rabbeinu was in the Kodesh Kodashim. Itcha, like I'm with you, God says. Dibarti itcha me'al hakaporet. Bazeh, so along comes this pasuk, right? And hechriya beinehem. In what way? How does this pasuk help us out? Ba Moshe, Moshe ba el oil moed, v'sham shomea et hakol haba me'al hakaporet. Right, he came to oil moed and he heard the voice coming from from the kaporet. Mibein shnei hakruvim, hakol yotzei min hashamayim, lebein shnei hakruvim, o mishem yetzei la oil moed. So where was Moshe Rabbeinu? He was on the other side of the parochet, but the voice came from inside of the parochet. That's, 
That's the hachra'ah. The hachra'ah bein hem is that both of the psukim are correct. Both of the psukim are correct. Moshe Rabbeinu was standing outside of the parochet, but he heard the voice coming from inside of the parochet. So both of these psukim, that's the hichriya bein hem. Both of the psukim are, both of the psukim are, are correct. Right? Vayishmat akol, the end of the pasuk, Vayishmat akol midaber ilav mi'ala kaporet. Vayishmat akol, Rashi says, Yechol kol namuch, maybe it was very quiet. Talmud lomar, et ha-kol, hu ha-kol shenidbar imo b'sinai. Another reference to the idea of the Ramban. That, that, uh, that is, a, right? It says in the pasuk, Shemat ha-kol. What does ha in Hebrew usually mean? Ha, the hey. It's a yedua. It's a definite article. <coughs> right? It's not any old coal, but it's a special coal. What's the special coal that is being referred to? A coal. Rashi. Veshvat hakol. Yachol kol namuch. Talmud lomar. Et hakol. Hakol. Hu hakol. Shediber imo b'sinai. When he got to the doorway, to the opening, he would stop. Talk about the cold. The voice could only be heard inside of the OL and not outside of the OL. Who was inside of the OL? Who was in Moshe Rabbeinu? So this is, this is Moshe Rabbeinu after the Yemei This is the end of the end. The end of the end. In, in other, this Pasuk in Pekudet, meaning that in order to make the Mishkan into a, into a Mishkan, there had to be Yemei Miluim. The eighth day of the Miluim, the eighth day, Moshe Rabbeinu gave over this authority to Aaron Ubanav forever. Moshe Rabbeinu was out of the picture. However, Moshe Rabbeinu remained the instrument for Matan Torah. He remained the one who gave the Torah to B'nai Yisrael. How so? When the next parasha was taught by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to B'nai Yisrael, it was done through the intermediary of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu went into the Oromoed, which was already fixed and established and, and well established by uh, by Moshe and Aaron and the Korbanot and all the things they did during the seven days of Miluim and then Moshe Rabbeinu went in and God taught him the next chapter of the Torah where was Moshe Rabbeinu standing? inside the oil Moed in front of the Parochet where did the voice come from? the voice came from Al HaKaporet Bibein HaKuvim Moshe Rabbeinu heard it and the voice did not go past the entranceway into the OMO8, did not go past that point, right? So that anybody else who was outside did not hear the Torah that was taught to Moshe Rabbeinu, which is, in fact, the way it was at Har Sinai. That's how it was at Har Sinai. The people outside didn't hear anything. Only Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm not, I'm not talking about the Aseret that they wrote. I'm talking about the first 40 days when Moshe Rabbeinu was on Har Sinai and learned the Torah from HaKadosh Baruch. But during those 40 days, only Moshe Rabbeinu learned the Torah. Nobody else heard anything or learned anything except for the noise. They heard a lot of... 
<coughs> a lot of noise. Now in the continuation of Moshe Rabbeinu learning the Torah, how he learned the Torah at Har Sinai, we don't know. We don't know what, 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 whether, he, whether he learned mitzvot, or he learned stories, or like, we, we don't know. There, there's, there's different kinds of evidence amongst the Rishonim for what Moshe Rabbeinu learned during those 40 days, 40 nights. But one thing is perfectly clear, that during the 40 days and 40 nights, the people were not involved. They were just waiting for Moshe Rabbeinu to come down. The model is, in the, in the case of... Uh, in the case of the continuation of teaching the Torah to Bnei Yisrael, that Moshe Rabbeinu went into the Oral Moed and he heard the Torah. He heard the Torah being taught by a Baruch Hu, parsha after parsha after parsha. But the people outside of the Oral Moed, they didn't, they didn't hear it. They didn't hear it. So that the Oral Moed, interestingly enough, had sort of two functions. There were two kind of different functions that the OMO aid eventually uh, uh, performed. One was for the people who had to expiate their sins, who had to bring korbanot, even in the desert, uh, people sinned, and they had to bring korbanot, and that became the provenance of the Kohanim. The Kohanim, the Kohen Gadol, Aaron, Banav, etc. The other function was as the place where Moshe Rabbeinu would receive the Torah that he had to pass on to Bnei Yisrael. These were the two different functions. So as a lawgiver of Moshe Rabbeinu, in a Michelangelo vision of things, as the lawmaker, Moshe Rabbeinu remained unique. He didn't share that power with anybody. Right? And that was centered around the Beit, the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, but as a Kohen, as a Kohen, a person who serves God and the people at the same time, right? The Kohen is the one who is the intermediary in the Avodah. Not the intermediary in Kavanah, but the intermediary in Avodah. The Kohen does the Avodah on behalf of those who bring Korbanot. Right, so after the seven days of Miluim, on the eighth day, Moshe Rabbeinu addressed Aaron in Big Day Kohen, and he became the Kohen Gadol forever, and the and the the name Miluim were were over. Interestingly, although we haven't got the, we can't do it now. You know that that after the made Miluim, if you go into uh, the parish of Naso. The, the Siyim wanted to become part of it. They wanted to be part of what was going on. And so the Nisiyim uh, brought Karbanot. Each Nasi for each tribe on a day brought all of the Karbanot that existed and were known to them. All the types of Karbanot that were known to them. And so I remind you that... Uh, that uh, um, just a second. <coughs> I'll find it. Shemla Mishcha. It doesn't. It, it doesn't matter. Well, I, I just. I just mean to say that. Uh, 
that in order to turn the Beit HaMikdash into the Beit HaMikdash, there had to be the seven days of Miluim. There had to be those seven days of Miluim. Why seven and why not that? Some other number and why, why was the Mikdash taken down and put up again every day? Like Moshe Rabbeinu took it apart and then put it back together again and they went through this process over and over again. I think it was to emphasize the fact, as we see, uh, we see, uh, uh, you see, uh, the next to the last source on the sheet, the beginning, uh, in our parasha, in our parasha. Well, let's do the one before that. You see, also, in Shmini, Vayikra Perek Tes, you see that? Okay? So Moshe Rabbeinu told Aaron that he had to bring certain korbanot, tmimim. Tmimim means without a physical blemish. So this is the beginning of it. This is the real it. It's starting. It's not Yemei Miluim, but it's the first day of the Mishkan. It's the first day of the Mishkan. Something great is going to happen today. I want you to bring all these sacrifices. All these sacrifices, you, B'day Yisrael, and you, Aaron HaKohen, Vayikhu, et asher tziva Moshe b'nei Olmo Eid, Vayikrivu kol ha'ida vayamdu l'fnei Hashem. So this is a description of day eight. Day eight is day one. It's day one. I have the Mishkan. It's all set up. It's ready to go. We have Kohanim. We have Pekadim. We have, uh, we have animals to give a sacrifice. It's all ready. Day one. Rashi, Vahibi Yom HaShmini. Vahibi Yom HaShmini, you see Rashi? Shmini Lemiluim. Meaning, there's seven days of Miluim. Seven days. What date is the eighth day? What's the date on the calendar? Aleph. Aleph Nisan, right next Friday. Aleph Nisan, Shmini Lemiluim. Hu Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Shehukam Amishkan Bo Biyom. Right on that day, the Mishkan was put up, meaning it's not going to be taken down at that. It wasn't put up, but not to be taken down. That was the first day that that happened in the life of the Mishkan. It's true later on when they move from one place to another place, they take it apart, but that's different. That's taking it apart because you have no choice. You have to move from one place to another. But this, this, the Yemen Miluim, it was put up to be taken down. Right, you knew it was going to be taken down. So that, that's, what, that's what he says. Uh, he, he Rashi. And as a Rashi quotes the, the Medrash, V'natal eser atarot ashnuyot v'seder olam. No, that's a, a, like a deviation. We haven't got time for that. Ziknei Yisrael, Ziknei Yisrael, the elders, Lashmi'am sha'alpi hadibur aron nechnazu mishamesh bekunah gedolah it's important that everybody should know that Aaron is the legitimate Kohen Gadol and they won't say that he kind of just pushed his way in he was Yeboshin's brother <coughs> no 
פסוק ד', כי היום השם נראה לכם להשרות שכינתו במעשה ידיכם. The שכינה, the presence of God, will dwell in your uh, uh, actions, in what you do. לכך קורבנות הללו באים חובה ביום זה. It was a, some kind of new relationship that's established between God and B'nai Yisrael. The next source, the next source is after this is all over. After this is all over, I, I, I mean, we're missing, we're missing, and there's this, this tremendous spiritual awakening, right? You remember the fire came down from heaven and consumed the, the sacrifice, and that was the beginning of the beginning of the Mishkan, of the, of the Beit HaMikdash, it changed the attitude of B'nai Yisrael to the world, right? Because when God said, leave Har Sinai, when God said, leave Har Sinai, you might have thought that you don't really need a place, that you don't need a special building, that you don't need something that, you know, everybody can point at and say, there's the Beit HaMikdash. Along comes the Mishkan and says, no, you do need a place. You need something. You need something to hold on to. You can't, uh, you can't live without it. That's what, that's what the Pasuk says. And finally, after all of this, after they made Miluim, and after the Yom HaShmini, which turned out to be tremendously, uh, uh, a tremendously exciting and special day, comes this story of Nadav Aviv. Right? The story of Nadav Aviv, B'nei Aaron, Vayikhu, Nadav Aviv, B'nei Aaron, Nadav Aviv, Ish Machtatov, Yidva Ish, Zar is a word which means something very, very straightforward. It's not a difficult word. Zar means against the halacha. That's what it means. So you can be a person who's zar, a person who the halacha does not permit you at this moment to enter into the... Uh, into the Beit HaMikdash, like a person who's Tamei. A person who's Tamei who could become Tahor. If he goes into the Beit HaMikdash when he's Tamei, he's called a Zar. Zar HaKarev Yumat. Being a Zar, that's a, a serious transgression. Zar HaKarev Yumat. Ezara, right? Ezara, that's a fire, was brought into the Beit HaMikdash which was not approved by the Halacha. There's no reason for it. There's no halachic implication here. Asher lo They were not commanded to do it. And so, maybe midah connected midah. A fire came down from heaven and consumed them. He says, now I know what HaKadosh Baruch Hu meant. The Baruch Hu said, with those closest to me, I will be sanctified. So we know that there was this question in history, right? For the last 3,000 years, what Nadav, why did Nadav Aviv do it? Did they mean to upset the apple cart, so to speak, and to say, we don't need the halacha, we don't need the... We don't need what the Torah says. We don't need what we learn. Or, interestingly enough, were they in, so enthusiastic 
about the option of coming close to the Rebunish Lolam, but they said we're going to take our chances. It's worth it. We're going to do something beyond. We're going to go beyond what, what, the, what the Torah says. The Torah, after all, says that there is always a possibility of Baltosif. Don't add on things to the Torah. What do you mean add on things to the Torah? The people come and they say, I want to do more than the Torah wants me to do. I want to do better than the Torah wants me to do. So if the Torah says sleep in a sukkah seven days, I'll say, I'll say eight days, nine days. That's really what the Torah wants. The Torah really wants me to do more than that. If the Torah says put the four parashiot into the tefillin, I'll say maybe five. Maybe see there are other great parashiot in the, in the Torah. Why shouldn't I put the Aserat and Dibrot into the, into the Torah? So Nadav view they were either bad guys who just wanted to upset things, or they were misguided good guys, right? They really wanted to seize the opportunity to come close to HaKadosh Baruch. So Rashi says what they'd say, they'd say, Rabbi Eliezer Amar, you see that Rashi? Rabbi Eliezer Amar, Lometu B'nei Arona, Ela Al Yedei Shehoru Halacha B'fnei Moshe Rabban. Why did they die? Because they said, we know better. We know the halacha better than Moshe Rabbeinu. Rabbi Yishmael HaMesh, to Yehiyai Nechuzulam Ignach. He says, they, they were drunk. That's why they did it. They weren't thinking. They had no, that's Asur. It's Asur to do Avodah when you're drunk. Like it's, it's Asur to say Brachot when you can't, when there's no chance of, of Kavanah. That's why Purim is a kind of a problem. Because on Purim, on Purim, people think they're supposed to get drunk. But they often, often after they get drunk, they're supposed to daven mincha and say birkat amazon, which becomes a little bit difficult for people who are, who are truly drunk. So drunk is no good. Uh, is here at Notarim. And that's why in the Torah, the next parasha is that you can't be drunk and go into the Beit HaMikdash. There's a story. Pasuk Gimel. You see Pasuk Gimel? Pasuk Bichvodi. That's in the end of uh, in uh, Truma in Pasha Adati Shavu B'nai Yisrael that the connection between B'nai Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch in the Mishkan changes. Moshe Rabbeinu's connection seemed to be diminished. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu's connection went down because he was in the cloud on Har Sinai but not in the cloud on, in the Mishkan, whereas B'nai Yisrael somehow were elevated, according to Rashi, that, that originally they did not confront God face to face, there was no Vino Aditi Sham, but eventually there was Vino Aditi, eventually there was Vino Aditi Sham. So you see that B'nai Yisrael could understand why Tatan and Aviram, I mean, if this is correct, just uh, look at that Posuk again. Right, the pasuk says pasuk gimel, who asher diber Hashem lemor, 
where did God say this, whatever it is that he's referring to. So, the, so Rashi says, Right, so there's a pasuk that says, I will meet up with them, with B'nai Yisrael, and they will be somehow sanctified by this confrontation with the manifestation of God. Right, they will be, they'll be sanctified, that b'kvodi. Okay, that's the drasha. But what does the pasuk say? The pasuk says that somehow B'nai Yisrael through the Mishkan are elevated. They're on a higher level than they would than they were at the time of Matan Torah at Har Sinai. So Nadav Avil, Nadav Avil said, "Oh, things are changing. They're moving in that direction. Maybe we could change them more. Maybe we should do, we could get to a higher level still of uh, of." Uh, Dedication of dedication to Kodesh Baruch. So <coughs> there are a lot of things happening. That's what I meant to to indicate. There are a lot of things happening on the practical level, and a lot of things happening on the spiritual level. On the practical level, Yemeha Miluim is about passing, about making the Mishkan into a Mishkan. In order to make the Mishkan into a Mishkan, it had to be built and built again and built again and built again in order to show that there are limits. You can't improve the Mishkan. You can't make a better Beit HaMikdash. Even though Herod thought he could make a fancier Beit HaMikdash, but you can't really build a Beit HaMikdash that is more spiritually uh, dynamic than the Torah tells you to make. So on the one hand, you have to make a place. On the second hand, you have to have a person who is not Moshe Rabbeinu become worthy in the eyes of the people of kahuna, of priesthood. On the third level, you have to determine somehow what everybody's relationship to this Mishkan that was built was. Everybody being Moshe, Aaron, and the people of Israel. So Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu remained the lawgiver and, the, and perhaps the melech of Israel. That's a, that's a different topic. But he gave up kuhuna. He gave up kuhuna. And in accepting, in accepting the role of the lawgiver, he lost a little bit of his position at Har Sinai. He lost a little bit of the position at Har Sinai. The people, on the other hand, with no adity, let the Pesach says, uh, the Pesach says, what does the Pesach say? Hechad diber, with no adity shama livnei Yisrael. With no adity shama livnei Yisrael. The simple meaning of that Pesach is, that's where I meet up with Bnei Yisrael. I, HaKadosh Baruch meet up with Bnei Yisrael. With no adity shama Livnei Yisrael. That's what the pasuk. That's what the pasuk says. So for Bnei Yisrael, the Mishkan is kind of an improvement over Matan Torah, because in Matan Torah, for the forty days that Moshe Rabbeinu was on Har Sinai, they were disconnected. They, there was a boundary line. They couldn't go beyond where they were, and therefore, and therefore, maybe 
they were able to do the Chaita Egel because of the dis- disconnectedness, because, so to speak, God did not let them in. They weren't really ready for that. But the Mishkan allowed them entree into this spiritual world that was dominated by the word, the word of God. And therefore, and therefore that produced, uh, you know, produced the Davaviu, who saw an opportunity to go even further than the law had given them. But that was, we understood de facto that that's not possible. That's not possible. Being human is a limiting factor. There's a limit to what you can get or what you can experience or what you can understand about the world of God. And Nadav Aviyu were not prepared to accept that. Not accept that. That limit, it's true, was raised from Harsinai. Right, it was raised a little bit, but Nadav Aviv's attempt was discarded. There was no, uh, but they are written. They're written down in the Torah, not because they did an Avera, but because there's a lesson that we all have to learn, and that is, you know, that the spiritual achievements, such as they are, are not uh, uh, don't uh, void the halachic obligations, the, the way that it is we're supposed to live in and act. Okay? Seems like such a harsh punishment. What do we have one? From even the explanations, it always seems like such a harsh punishment. I, I didn't hear the last few words. It seems like even though when we read the different timeouts and the explanations, the, the punishment seems so hard. If we say that if it was like us, one approach is that it was out of hit love without out of enthusiasm, right? right. So, and then they're they're killed. I mean it's not that they were they, they had covered maybe they had covered no smokes or boats, you know? So it seems out of proportion, doesn't it? To um, <coughs> it's hard to understand. One of the difficult things about learning Tanakh and staying religious is that it's not always clear that we're dealing with people who have the same sensitivities that we think are very important. And and so uh, somebody said to me, uh, what do you mean kill Amalek? I mean, we're just going to kill them? And give them a little test, see if some of them have done tshuva and some of them are nice. Dice and some of them are more reasonable. Why kill them all? Uh, so at some point, at some point, the, the religious person thinks that or learns that rational thinking has limits. You can't always figure it out. In fact, the, the story of Amalek is a case in point because, after all, Shaul Amalek. He, he says, I'm just being merciful, and that's a Jewish, that's a Jewish thing, to be merciful. I mean, it's like a showstopper, that story. Because in fact, in fact, he did a, he did a nice thing from, if he wasn't talking about, if we weren't talking about Amalek, it would be the right thing. He was like a benevolent uh, master. He, uh, he allowed things to, people to recover. 
but sometimes, sometimes you can't really do that. I mean, in, in all, if you're in the army, if you're in the army, if you have to, the only way to be in the army, I think, is to believe that the orders you're going to receive are correct. They're the right thing to do, and that you don't have the wherewithal to critique them. That's, that's the deal. So, I think it makes sense, I mean, for the guy in the army. It's very hard to be, to outsmart the army. I mean, you don't have any information, you don't have any, any way of doing it, you have just a general notion. So I think that, I, I mean, if I was talking about myself, I think I'm sympathetic to the question you ask. But I, there's that lesson that we're supposed to learn about the Torah, and that is that you can't second-guess God. Can I, I mean, what? Sorry, can I ask you something? Uh, you may not be doing. Say what? Can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. So, from, from the way I understood it today, it seems like it's very clear in advance that this is going to be, there's going to be seven days on the eighth. But in Russia, in the Midrash, you get this sense of ongoing disappointment throughout the week. And I mean, I'm disappointed because they had to take it down? No, but the Shpina isn't seen and the yeah, H isn't yeah. seen. And, so where's that coming from? Well, they, whatever it is that the seven days of Bilalim did, it doesn't do it until the end. Right. But from, from the way I'm looking today, it sounds like it's not expected to, that there's this preparation period and then... Uh-huh. Well, look, I guess the anticipation, you could say, the anticipation of the people is very high. And they were hoping... And Aaron as well. Yeah, and Aaron also. Well, that was the eighth day when the, when the fire did not right. come down from heaven, so he cried. Ah, so, so that's more that's about what the, the eighth, eighth day. day. That's the eighth day, day itself. Yeah. As in, you see that in the, in the parish itself. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, missed, I missed something once it's in, they take it down. It, it doesn't, but we know that that's true. It, it doesn't say that in the sukim that I quoted, but it's correct. But when they take it, they take it down. Well, it was like Lego. You could take it down. When they move. What? When they move. No, but this is during the seven days. Every day, they took it down and they put it back up again. Because it's not finished. It's not finished until the seven days are over, so that, or the like eighth they day. Don't leave it till finish yeah, they could say it's finished, but we're not driving now. You know, it's not like that. It's, it's sort of like they look at it that day one and they say, "We don't have it yet." So they take it apart, they build it again. Every day they do that until the eighth day when they can say, well, now we've got it. And then they move. Right. Yeah, that's something else. But when they move, they don't have this. You may be aware, no they don't do this ceremony every time they build it. No. During the 40s. No, it's made for that. But here the expectation is to get a mishkan. So after day one, they look around and they say, we don't have a mishkan. So what should we do? Take it down. There's something about not having the Mishkan after day one that is um, counterindicated. So where, where is this? 
No, no, it is. It's in the parasha. That I didn't quote them. I wasn't going to talk about that.